All right, and welcome to Thought Rambler. This is episode seven. This is going to be Zen Diagrams part two. This is a continuation from our last episode. I think what is it called? Zen Diagrams part one, cleverly enough. And in that episode, I was trying to, you know, work through these ideas of some of the, again, I hate saying senseless shootings. I mean, they're all senseless, but there have been a, a lot more shootings in this calendar year than I think ever before, or we're really just um, concentrating on it a lot in the news, at least to the point where I am starting to zone out, zen out maybe of uh, from the news. Um, you know, that's just like my way of dealing with it is not maybe dealing with it. But um, last week we kind of talked about all the – you know, I was trying to put together these uh, Venn diagrams. I call them Zen diagrams because they just they help me Zen out. They help me kind of um, just like this podcast. It helps me talk through what I'm thinking. And there I had this idea of too many guns being one bubble. The greedy media being another bubble, circle, whatever, and mental illness. Uh, being the third, and when they all overlap, of course, there's, you know, the um, primary, uh, the middle of it, the asterisks, and uh, the butthole, where we have, at least when those three things come about, you know, we have these senseless mass shootings, you know, because you have too many guns, you have, uh, you know, the the greedy media and the the feedback loop of telling everyone that they're impervious to harm and that they're the heroes and then you have mental illness and when you put those three things together I think that's the recipe you get when you uh, when we start looking at these again senseless mass shootings whatever that might be in the news today or yesterday or tomorrow so you know and then there's like these like secondary ones too where just the two bubbles overlap and just to Repeat those again. To me, the too many guns and the greedy media, when they overlap, you have hero worship, right? You have this idea of people thinking that they're the sheriffs in town. I think that's where you get a lot more um, open carry. You know, the idea that, you you know, whether you're, you know, I'm openly carrying this like a cowboy or maybe the concealed permit, you know, it's like I want to I want to legally be able to have this on me. It's like my use of a gun is to protect others, you know, protect myself and others and property and and all of that. And that could be fine. You know, that could be perfectly fine. And nobody has to get hurt. <laughs> you know, sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but it's not like. You know, when, when, when too many guns and the greedy media overlap necessarily, it's not, you know, we're not at the, 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 the scale that we're at when all three of them overlap. In my opinion, this is all my opinion. These are my thoughts. When the greedy media just mixes with mental illness and you don't have guns, you know, you don't have that um, tool to then shield, weapon, whatever it is by your side, however you want to look at it. Offense, defense. For whatever reason, we have guns, and whether we think of people using guns for offense or defense, like we have them nonetheless. But when you take it out of the equation, you just have the influence of the greedy media, and you have mental illness, which in a lot of um, 
you know, and again, a broad sense of mental illness. I'm not talking about, you know, specific like, you know, schizophrenia. I'm talking about what we all encounter every day. We all encounter ups, uh, downs, sideways, diagonals, you know. We go through the jealousies and the envies and the rages and the angers. And at the same time, we go through the, you know, um, you know, we temper our rage as well. We have joy. We have happiness. We have love in our lives. You know, just because you have a, a sign that says uh, live, love, eat, or whatever. I mean, it's like you're doing those things anyways, right? A sign isn't going to make you laugh. Well, maybe if it's really funny. Sometimes I get hooked into something that's really funny and I can't stop laughing. I wish that was a sign that I could buy in a store. But to me, that uh, greedy media and mental illness, they overlap. And to me, that's that little part of the puzzle is called escapism. You know, that's the, the idea of um, instead of trying to act out you know, being the hero, you sort of internalize the hero uh, worship and and sort of, um, you know, you just basically feed right back into the greedy media, right? So people like me who love going to the movies and love watching shows and everything where, you know, it's like we're, we're trying to escape into that. And then uh, too many guns and mental illness, well, as you can imagine, that's a recipe for... Um, murder and suicide and you know that, that that's a dangerous part of the puzzle for sure but the reason i don't think of it as just like that's the part where the the, the it, that's not the mass suicide right like you know you have um too many guns and you have mental illness and you, those two things overlap on top of each other um and it's hard these days not to consider the greedy media. And, of course, the greedy media is everything just from broadcast to social media as well. I don't think I, I put a um, – I don't think I said that in the last episode well enough. I don't think I emphasized social media enough in the greedy media. In any case, those are the – that's what I was sort of talking about. You know, go to last week's episode if you want more. I do want to – I did <clears throat> remember listening to it, though. Uh, had a Freudian slip there where I, I said something about um, the Second Amendment is a privilege, not a right. And it is a right, right? It's the Second Amendment. It's in the Bill of Rights. So this week I wanted to kind of focus a little bit more on a bigger scale. You know, just like taking it even up, maybe even a, a notch more. Because as I started the, the the experiment of thinking about these mass shootings and and, and and what it and again, I don't I don't have like some call to action. I don't have some sort of answer. If anything, I just want to put this Zen diagram together as um, a way for myself to understand that yeah, like we you know like even if you know the media doesn't talk about itself when reporting these stories and, um, you know, they focus on, it's always a distraction, right? You know, they, it, lately it feels like it's putting a lot of the weight on mental illness. And as I was saying, again, last week, it, it's, you know, there's no money in mental illness. There's there's like big pharma for sure. And there's uh, the, the drug companies and all that kind of stuff. But that's that in itself is not mental illness. Like there isn't a lot of you know, even coming up with drugs and everything and putting drugs on the market, you know, that is not curing any kind of mass, you know, uh, mental illness that we have in our society. 
versus uh, the media and the guns. You know that that those are industries. I don't I don't think. Um, and even if mental illness was a, a money churning industry, and maybe it really is, maybe you can convince me that it is. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's like they're, they're all still, all three of them are culpable in my mind. That's how I'm seeing this. And again, I don't mean to negate any other influence or source that might be feeding into this problem. But as I, as I think about it, I mean, it's just, you know, if you wanted to stop this and you can look at these three bubbles and you can look where they overlap, I mean, doesn't it make sense to anyone but me that... Maybe we have too many guns. Maybe our media is a little too greedy. Maybe we're not dealing with our mental illness. In this way, maybe there's something that can, you know, if smarter people than I can come up with ways to fix problems, I don't, certainly we got enough problems, you know, we need more people who can fix them. I also toy around with this idea of accountability because to me a lot of this is a lack of accountability. I mean, even right there, like, oh, I wish someone could, like, fix our problems. And it comes down to all of us, right? It comes down to all of us. This particular issue, I think, is very much a societal issue and yet very much an individual issue. No one wants to be the person who thinks that they have a problem as a gun owner, not being responsible with their gun. But everyone is human. Again, part of this bubble is mental illness. I could almost just say humanism, mental illness. The way I'm thinking about mental illness is not the outliers. It's, it's the things that we all have, the trauma that we all have inside of us that causes us to maybe have more road rage <laughs> than we would like. But that's, again, a controllable. We can control that as an individual. We can control that. We can come up with processes. We can come up with, um, you know, uh, carrots and sticks to help us, motivate us to get where we want to be. And there's issues that go beyond just us, right? There's, there's issues that really we have, we feel like we have nothing to, to deal with or, or we have nothing to, do, nothing to do with or how to deal with it or they're just so much bigger than us. This uh, episode, I'm kind of late in the game here, but this episode uh, is a bit explicit because I'm going to, I'm going to say the F word a bunch. I'm going to say fuck the world over and over again. Um, not as a, not in a manifesto way, but more in a, you know, this is, this is one of the bubbles I want to talk about. This is one of the circles in my next Zen diagram. This idea of... And it really comes down to people. I mean, and again, I don't know how much of this is as individuals. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I mean, yeah, just I want to get to a place where I want to take the, the, the Zen diagram part one of the mass shootings and the lack of accountability that we have and the way that we feed into this. It's always someone else's fault. It's never my fault kind of syndrome. I want to kind of zoom out 
a little bit more. I want to take these uh, from the senseless mass shootings to something that is um, more senseless and more mass. You know, not just like a war per se, although war could certainly be a part of this, but I'm really talking about like violent chaos. You know, senseless mass shootings, of course, are in its own way, violent chaos. That's how these two things interlink. Uh, for me, at least, you know, um, the butthole of the, of the Zen diagram is certainly, in this case, violent chaos, just like the first one I was talking about, the first Zen diagram. Not the first butthole, but you know what I mean. Now, I mean, to get super serious about it, you could say 9-11. You could say, uh, you know, uh, riots. You could say January 6th. You could say the Holocaust. You know, big events. I mean, you know, um, big events that aren't necessarily, that they them, themselves are almost a part of a, it's like a spark, right? And, and, and so I started thinking about like, well, how do we get to these senseless mass shootings? And then I started thinking, okay, well, we got too many guns. Yeah, that's number one. You know, we got this mental illness, we got this depression, we got this anxiety, we got this alienation, we got people thinking that, you know, delusion, they're thinking that they're heroes, right? You have uh, this greedy media that's just reinforcing that idea that you can take another life and, um, and then claim self-defense. And then how do you get to that next step then? And so there's a little bit of a mirror to this, this these two Zen diagrams. You know, they're just they're definitely extensions from uh, of one from the other. So I just was like, well, then you know, you get to something like a 9/11. It's bigger than just like a, that's not a mass shooting, first of all. It's but it's something else. It's bigger than that. How do you get there? And the first bubble I have is just like, well, you have to have somebody who wants to fuck the world, somebody who wants to destroy. You know, I was even thinking about calling the, the bubble like the destroyers, the destructors, you know, but it's, it's more than that. It's more than that, that um, childish need to knock over someone else's blocks. You know, there is a fuck the world mentality. And then you have, so what are the other circles? What are the other bubbles? What are the other buckets, right? Well, if I'm thinking of 9-11, if I'm thinking of January 6th, if I'm thinking of uh, uh, the Holocaust, you know, I'm thinking of, or riots, you know, um, um, the, the BLM movement and all the chaos in 2020. All of that stuff, you know, it's like, you know, where one side is just like, whoa, that's Antifa. And Antifa's bad. And then they're like, well, that's Black Lives Matter. And they're the ones doing it. It's like, well, then, then these are the Pride Boys. And they're the ones doing it. It's like everyone's pointing fingers, right? And all this destruction is happening in the meantime. And that's where I started thinking. It's like, oh, it's, it, it's almost as if 
you know, you have this fuck the world mentality, but they're not the ones who are coming in there on the bullhorns, right? Like I started thinking about like the, those riots and, and how um, you have, you know, you have these people coming in, you have these zealots. That's my next bucket, the zealots. You know, the, 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 the people who are there for the ideology, the people who are there to talk and shout and scream uh, about, you know, how, yes, the world is unfair to them. And obviously they have, they have heat there and, and, and that is um, indicative and can turn quickly into violence. But it's a different kind of violence, right? Because you could certainly be a zealot and, you know, go the route of Martin Luther King or Gandhi and choose the nonviolent route. Get the cameras on your side. There's a lot of different ways that zealots work. There's a lot of different ways that, you know, um, institutions and people who are very charismatic you know, how they can pull others into their ideas. And that started me thinking about the last circle. And that's the followers. And the followers are not directly linked to the zealots. And they're not directly linked to the fuck the worlds. The fuck the worlders. <laughs> they, the followers are... You know, and to say follower, even there, I kind of hesitate because, you know, there was a part of me that wanted to call them the impressors, but then it's like they're the ones who are being impressive, but they're the ones that are trying to impress. You know, I started thinking about this combination of people. And it doesn't matter what the issue is, right? You have, you have the, and I started, at one point I actually thought about like, um, uh, like three kids in a family. My mind went to like three kids in the family. And let's just say like, yeah, the, um, the eldest kid, you know, the middle kid and, and then the baby. It doesn't matter. Boys, girls, doesn't matter, right? And let's say the parents are going to go out and they have a babysitter coming. And the oldest one, you know, maybe is too old for a babysitter, but, you know, makes their objection. And it's not such a big deal. Or they don't, they make it a big deal. Maybe it's a middle child who makes it a bigger deal. No, I shouldn't be, I don't need a babysitter, blah, 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 blah. But certainly the youngest one needs a babysitter. Or why am I not the babysitter, right? The middle one's the zealot. The older one is the fuck the worlder. And the youngest one is the one who wants to impress. And, you know, I just started thinking about like that, those dynamics, like as a movie, right? So like you got the babysitter coming over, and even though it feels like it's the zealot who's all the fire, right? The zealot is the one who has the passion and doesn't want the babysitter there and all that kind of stuff. But at some point when they're like, okay, we're going to pull pranks, you know, like Disney PG style pranks on the babysitter, you know, of course, it's the young one that wants to impress and they're getting out there and they're putting saran wrap over the toilets and all that kind of stuff, right? But at some point, it's the eldest one who's going to be. Now, of course, I don't. I don't mean to say that in every family dynamic, this is how it goes. But in my imagination, this is how I was thinking. It would be the eldest, who's the, f the one who wants to fuck the world. In this case, has really nothing to lose, right? 
doesn't need to be babysat, but at the same time, like, is old enough to be mature enough to let it all go, doesn't have to get mixed up with it, but then, you know, just follows the wave towards destruction and sees, like, oh, well, if this, you know, if the middle child is causing such a ruckus about this, then maybe I can, you know, this is a great way for me to... Um, I don't know, test out the fire extinguisher or something like that, like raise the stakes, right? So yes, the zealot definitely is the one, the middle child is the one in this case, in this imaginative situation is the loudest one, screaming the loudest, not wanting, making the tantrum, giving all the reasons, right? These are the re- reason number one, I don't want to have a baby. Reason number two, I don't want to have a blah, 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 on the pulpit, on the so- soapbox. You know, getting the uh, youngest one to follow in. (laughs) But that youngest one is just as impressionable to the oldest one as well, right? So when the oldest child wants to, you know, I don't know, start the babysitter's car on fire, it's the young one who's lighting the match, right? There's always a piece, the the fuck the world types always kind of, they they always have a... um, a way to step out of the picture. It's almost convenient in this case that the zealot is there. I think that's what made this interesting to me is um, I had never really thought about it in this way. I'm not saying this is the only way to think about it, but, you know, you know, you got your one bubble, your one circle, fuck the world. Your other circle is your followers, and your other circle is your zealots. And again, you know, where, where the, the zealots and the followers meet, well, that's where I can see, like, cults, you know? Like, that's where those cults happen. But then it, because it, it's always like, it's always an idea, and that idea has to grow, right? These wedge issues, and you need more people. But, you know, we have like a, um, there's a very negative context for cults, you know, uh, whether, again, whether that has to do with murder or suicide, just like in the way where you have too many guns and you have mental illness overlapping, you have um, murders, unnecessary murders and unnecessary suicides, right? And I think where the zealots and the followers overlap, you have cults. Now, whether or not those cults are successful or not, I mean, the ones that we hear about are the ones that are not successful. But again, I would say that this is still more at the level of the Heaven's Gate, which is a reference to an unfortunate cult where it was like a mass suicide. Some couple dozen people, kind of like the Jim Jones thing, you know, swallowed a bunch of poison. Versus you have like the David Koresh kind of um, Waco, Texas standoff against the government uh, kind of cult, right? Now, one may say, well, a cult's a cult. It's the same thing. What's the difference? And here I'm not even trying to put guns into the equation, right? I mean, simply I'm making an argument that the cults who focus on themselves the ideology sort of has an internal feedback loop versus an external explosion, right? It, it's and that's where I'm like someone like a David Koresh to me is much more of like yes, he was he a zealot, and this becomes a question of who's a zealot and who fucks the world, right? And who's using um, who's the wolf in sheep's clothing? 
right? Uh, so like David Koresh, yes, he m- might have been a zealot. And maybe he too, at some, you know, he, he was also trying to impress somebody. I don't know his story. <laughs> Again, my imagination can kind of unravel. But the idea is that like the Unabomber is another person too. Um, you know, the Oklahoma City bombings, you know, um, as examples of people who are taking an ideology and they are making it violent and they are making it violent towards innocent people, people that have nothing to do with the ideology. You know, I do not believe that that is what you get when you get charismatic zealot ideology mixed with a bunch of people who want to impress upon that. Now, of course, it can spin out of control. I don't know where the boundary is necessarily. In Zen diagrams and Venn diagrams, you know, we can say that these circles are absolute borders, but, you know, much like life, there's so much grayness. So where is it where a cult can turn and it becomes, um, I'm trying to think of one, was the one in Oregon? Uh, (laughs) I'm blanking on the name. Um, But again, it just kind of like, I I don't know. They took over a town, and um, again, I don't remember how violent, and if there, I don't remember if there was murder or death as a part of that story specifically, um, or if that murder and death was um, something like to the level of a Unabomber or a uh, Waco, Texas, David Koresh, who, you know, on one hand was looking at the Bible as that was the zealotry, that was the ideology. And then at the same time was like building up an armory of of guns, right? <clears throat> there was a reason why uh, <laughs> the government came knocking on his door. It didn't all happen in a vacuum, right? So maybe, you know, again, maybe that's the worst example I could po- possibly use. But the idea being that, again, <sighs> Some of this I'm just going I'm going straight off of memory here. So I do remember there was, I think he had a manifesto. I think again, uh, there was some preventativeness about the uh the siege. Um it was something I remember growing up and watching. And uh and at the time it didn't make a whole lot of sense. We didn't have these things all the time. Now as an old man with my 18 grandchildren, we have them all the time to the point where, you know, it's like we can look at something and we can just call it January 6th, you know, and everyone collectively knows, okay, well, that date is now taken or 9-11, that date's now taken, that's what that is. You know, it's like, um, it's not just a zeitgeist moment, it's it's a point where we can all say that, you know, A, like something like 9-11, I mean, 20-some years of war, 20 years of war, right, just about. So how many lives affected? It's too many to count, right? And how did 9-11 come about? Well, again... There was a zealot and or the same person might have been the fuck the worlder. Or maybe there was a zealot and maybe around that person was someone who wanted to fuck the world. 
And there was a lot of people who wanted to impress those people. I was trying to think about it <clears throat> at this level of elements. Wind, fire, earth, earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> and, you know, because again, it was like, I was um, actually, come to think of it, I was walking through a forest. I was thinking about this. And, and uh, so I thought I was thinking about forest fires, you know, and it was like, well, it's funny because like forest fires, you know, there is a level again that these events, these giant events, these war starting events, I mean, they have generational influence just because of how big and how many people are affected by that event. It can, it can cause scars for generations. Whereas, like, you know, some of these mass shootings, it's, it's just on a much smaller level, right? The, the scar is the same. It's just as big for the people involved. But, you know, much fewer people are involved. And so you have – so that's where I'm kind of trying to divide these two things. And, I'm, and I was thinking about it with, like, a forest fire. And I was like, well, you know, naturally speaking – Fires, there are places in, in the forest and certain places in the world where fires are very beneficial to the forest, right? It's the way that the forest sort of gets cleaned. Uh, certain seed pods cannot open unless they are basically um, at the bottom of a forest fire and burst open and then the seed is able to, the seed is able to grow in the ashes. It's how uh, all sorts of um, uh, fir trees and evergreen trees. Um, that's how they propagate. And I was thinking about forest fires and, and you know, so, so on one hand, yes, you know, forest fires are good, but they're also bad. It's destruction, right? There's an argument to be made that in a natural state, the evolution and, and you know, millions of years of forest being able to sort of have this symbiotic relationship with fire and the unpredictableness. I mean, you're talking about fire that comes from lightning storms, you know, in the middle of summer when everything is dry. So good chance of a forest fire, but, you know, also it's super random. You might have forests that don't burn for decades. And so anyways, I was just thinking about that and I was like, well, you know, there's a positivity, but it's still destruction. I mean, you could make an argument um, that even these events, like these massive events still have, yes, they have scars and generational scars, but they also have these generational benefits in a way, whether that's through um, policies, whether that's through the way that we talk about, you know, like 9-11 was a horrific event. And the 20 years plus that we've been um, dealing with the aftermath of it, you know, again, um, thousands and thousands and thousands of people have died because of it. More than we can count in countries that, you know, most of us here in America will never go to and have no concept of what it's really like to be there and to be those people and to be with those people. And yet we have um, this very visceral attachment to 9-11 and that date. Um, but, you know, I think there's also policies have changed and the way that we think about um, the world has changed. And some of it has, there's some silver lining there. 
that's just the way that the history is. That's the way that the world works. That's right. You know, it's like something terrible happens, destruction happens, but then, you know, there's growth afterwards. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. I'm like, I don't know. It's not like I want to keep a rosy picture about this, but I just want to, you know, I just think of it that way. And and again, it just made me think, well, it's, it's I can't say that about the too many guns situation. I can't say that about the mass shooting situation. I can't like, it's, it's hard for me to think of, because in one way I was thinking, okay, with these bigger issues, then yeah, you know, like the followers of the world, the people who um, just want to impress, that's the fodder, right? That is the earth. That is the stuff, the, the dead trees and the, um, the dried up debris that's between um, the trees within the forest, right? That's just going to get as soon as, um, but, but in order for that all to burn, right, you need the fire, you need the ideology, you need the zealots, you need that fire. And yes, the fire and the fodder, you will, you'll have a fire. <laughs> but if you want that to spread, then you need wind, Everyone knows that the worst thing that you can have during a forest fire, if you're fighting a forest fire, is wind. Because wind makes everything so unpredictable. And that's where you have the people who want to fuck the world. They're the wind. You know, it, it, I first was trying to think about this, and I was like, well, they're the kind of the, they're the fire. And it's the zealots that are the wind because ideology changes like the wind. And I was, you know, but then I, I went to this forest fire analogy, and I was like, no, that's not how it is. Because that doesn't fit the bubble, right? Because, again, this idea that you can have, um, you know, I mean, again, nothing is perfect, but you, you have this fire and you have this fodder, but it doesn't go anywhere. You need the wind. And when you have the wind and the fire and the fodder, that's when things really get out of control. And I think that's what I'm trying to get to about the violent chaos, the out of controlness. It's like a riot. You know, at some point, everyone panics. Everyone has a different agenda. Right. Maybe minutes before you were all walking in step for a cause. Right. Someone's on a bullhorn. Many people are on a bullhorn. Everyone's got their cell phone out. You know, drones are flying above. You know, you have some yelling and bullhorns with a contrary idea across the whatever, you know, and there you are. And, da, 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 and then all of a sudden, what happens? Does everyone go home safely? Not in a riot. At some point, there's a spark, right? At some point, uh, maybe it's a follower, right? Maybe it's someone who wants to impress somebody, and they're the ones that go up and do, they do the thing that, you know, get in a cop's face, or maybe it's the cop getting in someone else. You know, it's like whoever is the one who quote-unquote starts it. But chances are, right, the way that it gets out of control is less about the people on the bullhorns it's about the people who just want to fuck the world. That's when shit gets really out of control, right? Like protests can withstand. But then like, you know, you think about the um, civil rights, right, where you have the Martin Luther King and, okay, we're just going to sit here and be nonviolent. Well, then who becomes violent, right? Then the cops become violent or, or the other people around them, the quote-unquote racists who are, I mean, yeah, I don't know why it's quote-unquote, the racists who are... Um, basically then beating on the people who are, quote-unquote, I don't know why I'm saying, quote-unquote, the people who are being nonviolent. You know, um, all of that has its own dynamic to it, right? I don't know 
And again, I'm not, I can only from projection and imagination really get into some issue, issues like this, right? Um, I can only think about things like this on surface issues. And I try to think of analogies all the time to make sense of it. But that's where I am. I mean, this is where I'm rambling. This is where my thoughts want to go. I want to, I think of these things. I think of like, you know, again, like January 6th. I, I remember seeing that. And it's like when I saw it, I didn't see people who believed so much in an issue. They were there, sure, yeah, of course. But that, the people who were smearing shit on the walls and breaking glass and beating police officers to death, you know, those weren't people that were there for ideology. I mean, again, maybe a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, ideology is a cloak we can all wear. It's a shield, maybe, right? The people who were arrested, and some of them have said, you know, um, yeah, we've been let down with our ideology, right? We realized that we were the ones, maybe they realized that they were the ones who were there just to impress. Maybe they were just the ones there were, you know, to follow. And that's what they were, right? They were all following someone's, someone's orders, right? Like they themselves were not the, um, the biggest fuck the worlder on that day. There was always someone else, right? The person who's keeping their hands clean. I don't know why I'm trying not to say his name. You know, you got Trump in this whole thing, January 6th. And so you have, you know, to me, what I, how I start to think about this is, yeah, so January 6th is this blend where you have, um, you know, you have Trump, whether you think he's the, I don't think he's the zealot. Like, to me, he's the one who wants to fuck the world. That's a person who wants to fuck the world. It's, you know, like, it's not about power. It's not about money. At some point, it's just about the idea that you want to um, yeah, maybe reverting right back to that childhood thing where you just want to push someone else's blocks over, right? You just want to like create the destruction that is worth it. <laughs> you know, like the money and the fame and the sex and the women and blah, 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 the glitz and the glamour and the golden toilets, you know, that is, those are all sort of rewards for getting away with fucking the world, you know, Hitler was the same way. Was he a zealot? He had beliefs, of course. He had very specific beliefs. And he was the one who was sort of on the pulpit yelling that to crowds of thousands and thousands and thousands, ultimately millions and millions of people. In the same way Trump is. But are those two people, I mean, like, yes, they, again, sheep, uh, wolf in sheep's clothing, right? I don't see Hitler as a zealot. I see him as a person who wanted to fuck the world. Now, did he have uh, ideologies? Yes, of course. Again, these things can overlap, right? In that same way that Koresh or, uh, or the Unabomber, right? You have the ideology. You have this desire to fuck the world. You put them together. You get people behind you. It just makes it easier and easier and easier. Hitler is just one of those examples where, you know, um, again, whereas the, you know, David Koresh and the Unabomber, they didn't have the benefit of having a lot of followers, right? The Hitlers and the Trumps, you know, these people are the ones who have a lot of followers. And when you have a lot of followers, that's when you get these incidents. 
I think with the riots and everything, I think there it's a mix, right? It's like it's like then it's like the fuck the worlders are taking advantage of the the zealots who are causing this chaos to begin with, right? The zealots are causing chaos, and the people with the fuck the world come in. Oh, great! I love. I want now. Let's make it violent. Love your chaos. Let's let's. let's here's my ante. <laughs> here's my here's my buy-in for the chaos, and now let's make it violent. Let's start smashing windows. Let's see what happens then. I don't know. Again, I don't know how to assess blame. I don't know if that's what this is all about. I don't know if this is about um, again a call to action. I'm just trying to make sense of the senseless. I just I'm trying to find the patterns. I'm trying to find trying to find the way to to think about these things and and how like to me when I think about this. The only thing I can think about is, and I don't, I'm not trying to be political, I just, it, the difference between someone like an Obama, like I don't know where to put Obama in, a, in, in these three bubbles. I don't feel like he is specifically a zealot. <laughs> I don't know what his ideology really is other than um, trying to help people by reasonable policy. <laughs> I don't, you know, like he's not a, I don't know. Um, I know that there's definitely people who believe wholeheartedly that he is a um, enemy of the state and all of that kind of stuff. I don't see that. I don't see the fuck the world mentality in Obama. You know, and, and, and certainly by comparison, I mean, there's there's some in there, like we all have it, right? But then you, in comparison to a hey, Trump, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, there's no, it's not, but like what? Like what would it be? Because, you know, Trump is somebody who is constantly trying to influence others, constantly trying to impress others, right? He himself is a follower. You know, all of these people, all of these things, they can shift, right? You know, it just depends on what it's being compared to. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, right, we'll just try to nail a few things to the board. So to me, I, I you know, I, I, I just try to juxtapose someone like an Obama and a Trump and I think about those, these two guys, and I just, yeah, I don't know where to put, I can put Trump on almost any of them, right? <laughs> you know, he comes out like a zealot, like he's got the ideology, he's got the ideas of fixing, making, oh, that's what it was again, making America great again. I almost forgot that that um, motto. Uh, and, you know, but he's also a, an impressor. He's also someone who wants to impress. He's constantly trying to impress people. And he's constantly trying to fuck the world. And he's constantly trying to um, spout his ideology. And in a way, we all do, right? We all do. And these things get together, you know, when you get the... I mean, maybe, yeah, in a way, I just, so I look at, I look at Trump, I'm just like, what's dangerous about that is that he's, he's, he's still in our future. Hitler's in our past. You know, Hitler doesn't seem uh, as scary to me. It's the people who want to be the next Hitler, who want to take, you know, a movement of national pride and blaming ignorant, uh, blaming <laughs> ignorantly blaming immigrants um, about every single problem, not taking accountability for their actions, not taking accountability for their policies. You know, someone like a Hitler, you know, he had a, a, a 
he had his issues, right? He had his, um, we're trying to think the, um, um, knife to grind. Was that it? No, that's not it. Um, anyways, he was more than Trump is now, right? He was more everything than Trump is now. But <laughs> he's gone. And so it's like this is almost like why Trump would be scary to me is because he's obviously trying to come back and do exactly what he did and we'll have another January 6th and blah, 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 because it's dangerous, right? Because we can see it by now. If you have the followers and you have the ideology and you have the person or people who just want to fuck the world, then it's just a matter of time before you get that next level of violent chaos. That next level, right? The kind where you start having ethnic cleansing. The kind where you start having, you know, um, war. You know, it could just be uh, an event, a day, or it could be a series of events, a series of riots over a summer. Changes the way that we talk to each other, changes the way that we report the news, it changes the way that we think about our country, changes everything. That violent chaos, it makes us afraid. Fear, 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 fear. So, again, I don't know how to get out of that. I just, I'm trying to find the warning signs. I'm trying to find the patterns. So if you find somebody, or if you find a, a, an issue where you got a lot of, you got a lot of zealotry, you got a lot of ideology, and you got a lot of people following that ideology, and you got a certain type of influence that just wants to blow it all up, you're gonna have a problem. Maybe I should say we are going to have a problem. Yeah, I, I don't know how to move forward, really. I. Just on a on that note of you know this being a bigger issue, right? Like I don't know how to move forward with that. Like you know, like the you know I, naming people, talking about Hitler and talking about Trump and uh, you know what would I what, what what the hell do I know? Not to say that these people are huge people. I'm not afraid of these people. I'm not, you know, whatever, right? But it's like they have done enough to put themselves in uh, everyone's brain, right? Every, everyone has thought of them. Everyone has talked about them because, you know, Osama bin Laden, same thing. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, Proud Boys, same thing. You know, uh, we have, I mean, even... <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, you could, you could even think about like if if the origin of of COVID was actually like, you know, 
Like, it, it would not surprise me, it may, maybe is the way I should put this. It would not. When we talk about all the ways that COVID could uh, come out of uh, China and, and the wet markets and all that kind of stuff, I don't buy the wet markets. Um, I'm much more apt to buy the laboratory out of the lab story. Uh, a, it just makes more sense. It just makes absolutely more sense. And B, um, again, it just it fits a pattern, right? You have, um, in this case, the zealot tree is the idea that a um, that anybody who cares if it's a, a type of uh, you know what, what country it is or, or what politics it is. I mean, like um, you know. It's a pro-science um, um, country. Um, I think here it's much more about like let's 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 put aside of the fact that this could possibly be chemical warfare, right? Um, the release of COVID, uh, whether it was on purpose or accident, I don't know. But just the fact that it could come from a lab, right, makes sense. Um, the first cases were in a place that was right, like basically next door to this lab where they were working on it. Well, then that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> But the idea of how it got out, I don't know. Again, like I can come up with an imaginary way, probably involves somebody f wanting to fuck the world. You know, it probably involves uh, a lot of ideology of like, you know, first of all, why are we even working with this kind of stuff? Well, it's because there's an ideology of that we need to work on this to study it, to know what it can do, and then take it to the next level and take it to the next level and take it to the next level. And of course, that you're full of people in China, especially, um, that want to impress, right? That want to get to that next level, that want to do the work. And, and, and again, if those things just existed in a silo and, or in a vacuum, then maybe COVID would stay in a lab. But I have a feeling that someone in that lab wanted to fuck the world. And they did. It got out. Or maybe the virus itself just wanted to fuck the world and it got out. It didn't need a human. The fact that humans were playing with it in the first place was like, great. You don't know me. You don't know what I can do. And even though now we look back at COVID and we're like, oh, that old thing. You know, it, it affected us in such a way. We're all different because of it. Just like for those of us who lived through 9-11 or, you know, for some people who lived through the Kennedy assassination. There's, you know, again, there's one person. Is this, you know, is that one of those, is that a mass shooting? Is that too many guns? Is that um, the greedy media and um, mental illness? I mean, certainly it could be, right? Certainly could be. But it could also be a collection of ideology, someone wanting to impress others within that ideology, and um, a big chunk of someone wanting to fuck the world. And, it, 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 you know, again, just one, one person died. Um, I think just JFK died. Um, Someone else was shot, though. And, uh, right? Am I getting that right? In any case, the, the important part was that JFK was assassinated. It happened before my lifetime, but by the time I was born, it was a huge, you know, it had a huge ripple effect. You could say the same thing about Pearl Harbor. I mean, even though it was designed to create chaos, I mean, within the organization that decided, hey, 
let's do this thing. I mean, there was a fuck the world mentality. It was more than just ideology and follow and followers. And, you know, it was, it always takes that extra bit to blow it up, to get it that big. Even if the event itself, like I said, JFK, it's one person um, assassinated that, but it, it had ripple effects that seemed to be bigger than just the too many guns, greedy media, mental illness, lack of accountability, senseless mass shootings thing. There's just these events, these things that happen. Some of them come and go. We don't even notice them. You know, even, I was thinking about like, you know, even Katrina, it's, it's like just a natural disaster. <laughs> it's kind of like the forest fire thing. You know, it's like you, a few elements you get together and then this big ass thing happens. And again, you know, hurricanes are probably fine. And again, there's probably a lot of species and everything that needs the hurricane for some reason that we don't understand. But to us, because we build our houses and we build our infrastructure in a certain part of the world, and then there's hurricanes or there's earthquakes or there's fires or there's whatever, it's like then we're enemies with the weather. <laughs> but it's that, you know, again, it's the violent chaos that I'm just trying to get to, trying to make sense of. Whether that's on a quote-unquote small scale or a quote-unquote big scale. Just, just keep looping around about it. Keep thinking about it. Because, you know, I just, anytime anyone talks about the news, there's usually something. It's just a reinforcement of this. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I'm just tired of, and it's not that I'm tired of hearing about it. I want to make that clear. It's not that I want to shut all that stuff out and, and not hear about it. It's just that I'm tired of the lens that I'm hearing about it through. I don't know if that's the right sentence construction, but I'm tired of the lens through which I am hearing the story. So um, lens here, whew, hitting. <laughs> I'm hitting a thousand. I think you understand what I'm trying to get at. Or not. I mean, the whole point of this is that maybe you shouldn't understand what I'm trying to get at. I'm rambling. <laughs> I hope, though, that it helps you ramble along with it and your thoughts. So the next time you hear a story about something senseless, something that's hard to make sense, just think, does it, do these three bubbles help? Or are there three bubbles that you can make that help? And by help, I, I, don't, I don't even know what that means. You know, just create a better lens, create a different lens with which to see the story. That was better. Yeah, in any case, thank you for rolling along with me. I'm going to try to do something that... I need, I, need a, I need a thought rambler that's stupid and happy, so I'm going to try to think of something stupid and happy for the next episode. Until then, do all the good stuff, five stars, like and subscribe, but you know, also tell people, hey, you want to hear something stupid for an hour? <laughs> you want to hear, hear someone ramble for an hour? 
Yeah, we got, I got something for you. <laughs> Anyways, thanks a lot for rolling along. Thanks for coming on this ramble. And as always, don't run into any walls while you're staring at your phone all day. 